dismiss the young people to go to junior church now. The rest of us will take our Bibles, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2. Don't forget tonight in our evening service, it's going to be a little different service tonight. And uh, some of you, uh, if you have a song that you'd like to sing, uh, please uh, let me know. Uh, we'd like to, we're going to do, the Bible talks about the fact when you come to the house of the Lord, uh, everybody has a, a doctrine, a, a teaching, in other words, or a portion of scripture that they want to share. They have a, a, um, a, a song to sing and those different things as we come to worship the Lord. And I pray uh, that tonight, that as we come together, we're going to have those different things. We're going to have a lot of, they're going to have a lot of music or more music than normal. And then we're going to have a, a portion of scripture that we're going to be looking at as well. In fact, as we look here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17, uh, tonight is going to be the, uh, we're going to see the extension of the morning message. So you're going to get the end uh, of this part of the message uh, tonight. Uh, really, it's going to be kind of a, looks like it's going to be a couple week series to be able to get through uh, the material that we're looking at here. But 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, as we've been preaching through the book of 1 Thessalonians, a great and encouraging book. Uh, the Apostle Paul uh, preaching uh, to these people here and, and encouraging, giving them a word of encouragement. They were people that, that heard the word of God. They accepted the word of God. It, was a, it, it changed their life. They wanted to share it with others. And you know, when you find something really good, you want to share it with others. Amen? Something that works for you. And the same thing is true in the, in the area of the Christian life. Uh, if, if your Christian life, God's doing something, you want to share it with other people. Uh, some people just, they, they want to keep it all to themselves. Uh, our four and no more. Folks, there's people that need the, the joy of the Lord. You know some people that need joy? You know some people that need peace? Uh, some people that need comfort in their life? Well, all that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you spend time with Jesus, you will find his joy, his love, his comfort. Uh, how about uh, self-control? So, man, I, I've, got some, I've got some issues where I just, I, I'm angry all the time. Well, the Spirit of God, as he works in your life, he gives, he gives you that self-control, temperance. Uh, one of the fruit of the Spirit. So uh, share the Lord Jesus Christ, what he's done uh, in your life. And I pray that he's done something encouraging in your life. Don't forget, we have a bookstore over here, and it'll be open uh, to after service, right, for, for a little few, few minutes there. We've got some new music and some new things in there. I hope that you'll uh, avail yourself of that. It's good to have good Christian music uh, to help you get on the right track, the right path. Here in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, verse 17, let's all stand. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 17. And it says, But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time, in presence, not in heart, endeavoreth the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Satan hindered us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this day, and Lord, I Thank you that you are working in our hearts and in our midst. The Bible is so wonderful and so precious. And I, Father, I pray today that your word would become very clear to us in understanding this truth. Lord, we know that in this world, Satan is alive and well. All around are the evidences of that. And Lord, I pray today that, God, you would uh, speak to us through thy word that we would not be fearful, but, Father, that we would move forward in faith and belief in what your promises have given to us, that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And, Father, we trust that you will work in our hearts today. If there's one without Jesus, I pray that they would hear the gospel and understand it and say, that's what I want for my own life. I pray, God, you'd give me thy words today. And, Lord, guide our thoughts. May our, our hearts be open to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. George Barna is a man who uh, does a lot of surveys across America, asking people different questions to try to get the uh, the opinion or the thoughts of people. George Barna's, Barna cites uh, several fascinating uh, statistics, which are based on a national survey. He made the following statement just to touch to, to test the thinking of people, where people were in their thinking, and this is the statement that he said. The devil or Satan is not a living being, but a, is a symbol of evil. Now, that's not what Barna believes. He just wanted to see where people were in relationship to that statement. 
He then asked those who identified themselves as being born again, do you agree strongly, agree somewhat, disagree with uh, somewhat, or disagree strongly with that statement? That Satan is not a real person, it's just a symbol of evil. The born-again population reply, uh, reply with 32% agreeing strongly with that statement. 11% agreeing somewhat, and 5% didn't know. Thus, the total number responding, 48% either agreed that Satan is only a, a, a symbolic uh, idea or did not know about Satan. You know, the Bible has much to say about this person called Satan. In Isaiah 14, 12, Satan is called Lucifer. I want you to keep your finger here in 1 Thessalonians for a second. But there's some portions of scripture I want you to put a, a marker in, and one is on Isaiah 14. Go to Isaiah chapter number 14. Back in the Old Testament, it's one of the major prophets. You have Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. Those are the five major prophets. They're major in the sense that they are larger books, that their message is not more important than the other ones, but, but that they are a larger book. And here in Isaiah chapter number 14, we find in verse number 12, and put a marker here because we're going to come back to this portion in just a minute. It says, how art thou, in verse 12, it says, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? That word Lucifer uh, in the Hebrew means light bearer. He was a light bearer. When we think of Satan today, many times people think of the darkness and, the, and, and, and things that are... That are uh, uh, Distasteful. May I share with you that when Satan was originally created, he was a light bearer. It's important that you note this. We'll see that in just a, just a little bit. But he was called Lucifer or light bearer. In, go to Ezekiel, just to the right where you are. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel is third book over. The book of Ezekiel, chapter 28. Ezekiel, chapter number 28. If you have a Thompson Chain Bible, that's page 907. Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 13, down to verse number 16, uh, we find uh, Ezekiel talking about, uh, about Satan. The uh, context, if you're looking at a background here, there's a king called Tyrus, and he was a pretty powerful king. He was caught up in pride of, over his kingdom. He was he thought he was a pretty great person. But in chapter, uh, chapter 28, verse 13, we find that this, these words, and it says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. There were only four people in the garden of God. There was Adam, there was Eve, there was a serpent, or Satan, and there was the Lord. The Lord came down and talked with Adam and Eve. This king of Tyrus was not there. In dealing with prophecies, this, this is... Uh, uh, the principle here is called the principle of double reference. As you read through the context, you can see that God is talking to and about Satan here in this portion of Scripture. It says, Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, the, and gold. I mean, this is Satan, when he was created, was a beautiful angel. He was not just something ugly. He was beautiful. The Bible says, goes on, he says, the workmanship of thy tabrets and pipes, that's a musical term, was uh, pre prepared in thee from the day that thou wast created. Satan was a musical angel before he fell. He had great ability in music. Then it goes on in verse 14. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. You know when I see those cherubs that people draw cherubs, they use little fat little, fat little things you know, with some wings. And they think, no, 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 no. The cherubs, if we go in Ezekiel chapter 1, it talks about the cherubs and then how they had four faces. They had four wings. Um, they were, they were a, uh, a, a group that had a special work. And here, the cherubs... This Satan was an anointed cherub that covered, he protected the very throne of God. That was what he did before his fall. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so, and wast 
uh, upon the holy mountain of God. And thou hast walked up and down amidst the stones of fire. It's a reference to angels. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created. Satan was a created being. He was an angelic being. Till iniquity was found in thee. So we find here that he was perfect. When the day that, that he was created by God, God created all things that are in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Satan is a created being. He's an angel. He was a beautiful angel, equipped with music. He was a light bearer until sin entered into his life. Go back to Isaiah 14 for a second. You say, well, what happened there dealing with this idea? This is all preliminary to help you understand about Satan. These people that say, well, we just think that he is just a symbol of evil. No, he's more than a symbol. He's, he's a real person. And you and I, folks, may I share with you today, you have an enemy. You have an enemy. The Bible says the whole world lieth in, the, in, in wickedness, or the wicked one is the Greek idea. The whole world lieth in the wicked one. He's the one who energizes this world. The world's thinking. You say, well, how, is the, how does the thinking get so far away from that which is right and true? Satan is the one, Ephesians chapter 2, said he is the one who worketh in the children of disobedience, the prince of the power of the air. The Bible says in Isaiah 14, notice what it says. There was a war in heaven involving Satan. Isaiah chapter 14, verse number 13. We talked about Lucifer in verse 12, verse 13. For thou hast said in thine heart, I, notice the word I, how many times it's used here. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. A reference to angels. I'm going to be higher than the angels. Well, he was a created angel. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation on the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. There's only one most high. And what Satan is saying right here, hey, I'm going to be in God's place. There was a war in heaven. There was a rebellion in heaven. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that, that made the earth to tremble, that did shake the kingdoms, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of the prisoners? May I share it with you that Satan doesn't like people to be free. Satan likes people to be bound. The Lord is the one that likes people to be free. Jesus said, um, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. In Jesus Christ, there's liberty, there's freedom in Jesus Christ. Satan wants to keep us bound under the chains of sin. He's called a destroyer. He's, uh, the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 12, uh, some things about Satan as well. Go to Revelation, last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 12. Satan is one of rebellion. You say, oh, Pastor, there's some people that are just rebellious. They're rebellious to authority. Satan, as we saw there, was rebellious to the authority that God had established in heaven. I'm going to take God's place. How often do we hear that even today? We hear people, they want to cast off the authority that's over them, whether it be mom or dad or, or the police or, or the different uh, authorities that God's placed over them. Oh, we're going to cast that off because I want to do my own thing. Well, look at Revelation chapter 12. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 12, it talks about, in verse 3, it says, And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, he said, well, who is that great red dragon? I'm going to explain it here in just a minute, verse number 12. And it says, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his head. And his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven, a reference to angels, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, talking to the nation of Israel, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Remember, Herod wanted to kill all the babies? This is reference to that. Satan was the one behind Herod wanting to kill all those, those babies. Satan is a murderer from the beginning, abode not in the truth. Here the Bible goes on to say, And she brought forth a man-child, talking of Jesus, and who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, 
and her child was caught up in, unto God into his throne. That's up in heaven. And the woman fled, Israel fled in the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days, three and a half years. And he's talking about the tribulation period that's going to come. And there was war in heaven. Notice, there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. The dragon fought and his angels. Verse number eight. And prevailed not. The dragon didn't, fail, uh, didn't prevail. Uh, neither was there, found, was there place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil. That word devil means accuser or slanderer. And Satan. That word Satan means adversary. Which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. Remember we talked about that. Satan was cast out of heaven. Satan was cast down to the earth. When he rebelled against God, he was cast down to the earth. And a third of the angels decided to go with Satan. Now, stop and think about this. This is amazing to me. Here we have God who's created all things. God of all power, God of all might, creator of all things. Uh, they they, they uh, worship and praise and, and glorify God. They're, they're talking about how great God is. They, they're glorifying him. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. They're talking about how great God is. Angel, I, I tell you what, you guys, would you two guys kind of come and help me for a minute? Yeah, you two guys. Yeah, you two guys. Yeah, Donovan, yeah. Okay, Donovan, I need you on this side. Okay, here we go. I'm just going to help you to understand the picture of this. Now, what you're going to do is you're going to face me, okay? You're going to face me, okay? And here, I don't know if you've got long enough arms to do this. Can you do that? Can you put your arms to so you touch? No, no, not touch you. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Touch his hand. There you go. All right, there we go. Give you the picture. The cherubims protected the throne of God. And so the cherubims, you know, you can see... I, Donovan's watching you people out there. He's watching to see if there's any cute girls out there. Um, you know, Donovan was watching all the angels. When they come in, they would bow and they would worship God. Satan says, you know what? They should be bowing to me. They shouldn't be bowing to him, to God. They should be bowing to me. And so that he decided he was going to cause rebellion. You guys are doing great. Um, they're... Uh, you didn't know you were going to stay here for the rest of the service. Um, but uh, they, they were to protect the throne of God. And so here's what happened. He went and got a third of the angels to rebel and to lead war against the Lord. How can you do that? I mean, here's the one who created you. Here's the one who gave you your position. Here's the one who gave you everything. And it wasn't good enough. You wanted to have what you wanted. Thank you, guys. You may be seated. Amen. That was, and you guys only did that for a couple minutes. But ever since Satan and the third of the angels were kicked out of heaven, that war that was up there, in fact, Jesus talked about it, and uh, he, referred to, he referred to the fact of Satan being kicked out of heaven like lightning. When he came down with a third of the angels, um, there became war on the earth. There was war on the earth. It started in the Garden of Eden when, the, the, when Satan tempted Eve. And you know, Satan has done whatever he could to thwart the plan of God ever since. In our text, we find that, uh, once again, that Satan was at work. Go back to 1 Thessalonians, if you would. 1 Thessalonians. Chapter number two, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was wanting to encourage the people of Thessalonica. It states here in verse number 18, well, verse 17, it says, But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavoring the more abundantly to see your faces with great desire, Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again. But notice, but Satan hindered us. 
Satan hindered us. That word hindered in the Greek means to cut off, to impede one's course by cutting off his way. Satan blocked the way so that Paul could not go to that group of people in Thessalonica. Satan is still at work today. Be assured, when God is prompting you to move ahead for him, the devil and his fallen angels will do all that they can to impede or even stop your progress. He's going to do all that he can to stop you. He doesn't want you to become a prayer warrior. He doesn't want you to become a soul winner. He doesn't want you to, to read your Bible. He doesn't want you to pray. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 and 11, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand or be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word wiles is the idea of strategy or trickery. The Apostle Paul declares in 2 Corinthians 2.11, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. I submit to you, though, that there are Christians that are ignorant of the devices of Satan. They don't know how Satan works. As I read that, that uh, Barna a statistic just a moment ago, 48% think, well, it's just a symbol of evil. No, 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 can I tell you something? There is one who has a strategy which is he has designed especially for you to stop you. And if you're a Christian and you love Jesus as your Savior, Satan desires to destroy you if he can. He walks about as a, as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's called Apollyon or Abaddon in the book of Revelation. He's, that means destroyer. Satan is the destroyer. Boy, he's doing a good job in America, isn't he? He's doing a great job in the, in the homes and lives of individuals and in families. He's destroying those things. So what is the strategy that Satan uses to defeat the believer? Can we be victorious over Satan? The answer is yes. Today we want to consider how does Satan work? Uh, Satan tried to defeat the believer. What is his strategy? How does he work? Well, we see here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 18, one of those, he hinders the believer for, from accomplishing God's work. He hinders the believer. Look back at verse 18. Wherefore, we would have, uh, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. It was Paul's desire to, uh, to go and to encourage the believers of Thessalonica. He'd only been there three Sabbath days. He'd taught them for those three weeks. He'd been teaching them the truth and trying to get it into them as much as is possible. But uh, there was, only, there was uh, so much more of the scriptures that, needed to, that they needed to know so they'd be strong in the Lord. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As you hear the word of God preached and proclaimed, it encourages your faith. That's why there's such a, a, a target right now in the area of, of going to church and hearing the preaching of God's word. There is, Satan doesn't want people, doesn't want believers to hear the word of God because your faith grows as you hear the preaching of God's word. The preaching and the teaching of the Word of God helps us to grow in our faith. The more we know about, of God's Word, the stronger we will be as believers. Satan doesn't want us to know God's Word. He doesn't want you to know God's Word. He wants you to be ignorant. You know what God says? And Paul quotes this. He says, you know what? I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. God doesn't want you to be ignorant. He wants you to know what is right. He wants you to know the truth. He wants you to know so that you can make the right type of choices. For example, let me give you an example in the area of prayer. You hear people praying, and I'm just amazed at this, and I'm more amazed that pastors do this. Praying to Jesus or praying to the Holy Spirit instead of praying to God the Father in Jesus' name. I hear this, people that are on the radio and people that are on uh, public television and different things, and people say, man, that person's a great, uh, a great preacher, and look what he's done. And then they'll pray something like this. Dear Jesus, we pray that you'd bless this day and bless the work. Amen. Now, I tell you what, as a, as a preacher, th that gets my attention. 
You say, well, why is that? Well, you've got to understand some things. In the Old Testament, people would pray. They'd pray to God, and they would end up their prayer by saying, amen. Amen means so be it. But Jesus gave instruction on how to pray. Let's go to some scriptures and consider this for a moment. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 9. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 9. Jesus in chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew is what they call the Beatitudes. Matthew chapter uh, 6 and verse number 9, Jesus says this, After this manner therefore pray ye, notice, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into, to, into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Notice, amen. Here, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are still under the Old Testament economy. They're still under the Old Testament until Jesus dies and sheds his blood. And then the New Testament actually begins. You say, Pastor, I thought that the New Testament is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, it's giving you the account of the life of the Lord Jesus. It's four Gospels, giving you uh, an understanding of the life of Jesus. But the Bible tells us in Hebrews, it's a good book to look at in the Scriptures, it talks about in order to have a New Testament, a testament, you have to have the death of a testator. Jesus had to shed his blood before the New Testament could begin. Jesus was living under the Old Testament law. He fulfilled all the Old Testament law. Praise God. We're not under the law. We're under grace. We're under a New Testament, a new covenant. The blood of Jesus Christ, praise God, and his grace. So in the Old Testament, as they were talking, here Jesus says, as he's talking to people, teaching them about praying, you, when you pray, as he says here in verse number 9, he says, After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven. And may I share with you that this is not uh, the Lord's prayer. This is the disciples' prayer. Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray. He's giving them an outline of what to pray for and pray about. And he starts it off as he says, Our Father which art in heaven. You and I, when we, even in the Old Testament, when they were to pray, they were to pray to who? The Father, that's what it says. When you pray, you pray to the Father. You pray to the Father. Now, go down to another portion of Scripture. Go to John, chapter number 15. Go over to the right a little bit. You'll find the book of John. Fourth book of the New Testament, the Gospels. John, chapter number 15, and verse number 16. Jesus is speaking here in John 15, verse 16. Jesus says, Ye have not chosen me. He's talking to the disciples. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. Notice, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Here's a little change. He said, when you go, he says, that you ask the Father, but you ask in my name. You say, what do you mean by that? What is that in, in my name? Well, in Jesus' name. You're looking at praying to the Father in Jesus' name. That's why we say in Jesus' name. It's not because, oh, well, it's just we don't have anything else to say. Jesus said this is the way you pray. You pray to the Father in Jesus' name. Now, he doesn't just say it once. Go over to chapter 16. Now, as you understand what's happening, Jesus is instructing his disciples before he's going to go and die, to the die on the cross. Jesus, for three and a half years, had been with the disciples, had gone with the, uh, the disciples had gone with Jesus. If they had a need of anything, they would go and they'd say, well, Jesus, we need some food. And so Jesus would answer their need because he was right there. He was God in the flesh. When he was, they were on the water, and the, the water was coming in the boat. And they, they, uh, what did they do? They came to Jesus and told Jesus, Hey, Jesus, we got a problem. We're about ready to drown. When Peter, uh, and you remember Jesus got up and he calmed the sea. 
When Peter was out uh, in the boat with the disciples and Jesus walks on the water and Peter says, hey, I want to go to where you are. And until so Peter gets out of the boat, Jesus says, come on. Until so Peter walks, gets out of the boat, starts walking toward Jesus. He sees the waves and, and the wind boisterous and, and everything. And he starts to sink and he cried out to who? Jesus. And Jesus saved him. But Jesus is getting ready to go to heaven, back to heaven. He's not going to be with them physically like that anymore. But he's going to be with them in spirit. He's going to give the spirit of God to live inside. And so he comes in John chapter 16, and he gives them words of encouragement in John chapter 16 and verse number 23. And in, the, in that day, talking about the day he's gone, ye shall ask me nothing. Well, you weren't going to be asking, able to ask him like they had been doing in the past. But in that day, you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, truly, truly, amen, amen. I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask, what? The Father, in my name, he will give it you. Remember, he just got done saying that in chapter 50. Now he's saying it again. Notice if you go down to verse number uh, 24. Hitherto, up to this point, have ye asked nothing in my name. They didn't ask anything in his name up to this point. Hitherto, up to this point, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. But at this point, he says, I'm telling you, you're getting, we're getting ready to make a change, a transition right now. You pray to the Father, and you ask it in what? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And he says, and the Father will give it. The church in Jerusalem, after Jesus died, he was buried and rose again. Let's see how they prayed. Go with me, if you would, to Acts chapter number 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. You say, Pastor, why are you spending so much time on this? Simple. Praying to God is how you and I, how we have power. If, he can, if Satan can confuse us and Satan can get us to do it the wrong way, guess what happens? No power. And so as we look at Acts chapter number 4, Peter and John have been put in, in jail for raising up a, a man who had been lame. They said, in the, you know, this lame man was there and he was asking alms of the poor, uh, you know, please give us some money. And, and Peter, he must have been a good Baptist. He said, you know, silver and gold have I none. Didn't have any money. He says, but such as we have, give we thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up and the man was walking and leaping and praising God. I'll tell you what, it's much better than giving a few coins. Now all of a sudden I can get up and go where I want to go. Before I couldn't, people had to bring me. And so he was, he was rejoicing, he was praising God, and he was excited about what was going on. And people said, wow, we need that type of power. What's going on here? This is amazing. And the religious leaders of the day tried to shut him up. They put him in prison now. They brought him into the Sanhedrin and they said, hey, you know, how did you do that? They said, well, you know, it's in the name of Jesus Christ. There's, there's salvation in another under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved, in verse number 12. And so now they're trying to figure out these religious people, how are we going to shut these people up? So they threatened them. And they said, well, you know, we can only speak what we've seen and heard. And then they went back to their own people. They went back to the other believers, and then we dropped down to verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own company, the believers, and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they, notice, they lifted up their voice to God. Well, now, did they pray to God the Father? Did they pray to God the Son? Did they pray to the Holy Spirit? It's going to give you the indication here in just a second. And said, Lord, thou art God, which made heaven and earth and sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers uh, were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Notice, for of a truth against what? Thy holy child, Jesus. Who are they praying to? The Father. They're not praying to Jesus. People say, well, you know what? We need to pray to Jesus that Jesus would do that. That's not what the Bible tells us. Well, we need to pray to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit give us... That's not what the Bible tells us. And they prayed 
to the, they were praying to the Father, against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast or, uh, anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done, notice, by the name of the holy child, what? Jesus, did see authority right there. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit and they spake the word of God with boldness. See, they didn't pray to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, give me boldness. No, no, no. You pray to God the Father. That's what Jesus said. And you pray in the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. He's the authority. He's the one. If you had a check here today, two, who do we pray? You know, you have the two and then you have the amount and then you have that little line on the bottom where, uh, you know, you get to put your name. The two, you pray to the Father. And then you get to put in that middle section, Lord, please help my needs, help, you know, provide this. Whatever. And the bottom line where, you know, uh, if I had my checkbook, my wife's got my checkbook. Our checkbook, I'm sorry. Uh, she's got the checkbook. I don't use checks very much anymore, do we? You use credit cards. Um, but on that checkbook, to make that check good, if, if I was going to say, Brother, Brother Scott, I'm going to give you, uh, you know, to Brother Scott Riley, uh, how much? A million dollars. And to put an authority on there, Phil Walker, that check, I guarantee you, would bounce. <laughs> Not much authority to be able to accomplish that. But when we come to God, guess what? When we go to God the Father and we put our needs in there, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And what's the authority? How can we come to the very throne of God? How can we ask for these things? <laughs> Jesus Christ. He's the authority. Boy, God, I need wisdom. God the Father, I'm praying that I need, I need wisdom. That's what I need in that middle thing. So I make the right choices. How, and in whose name am I going to pray? I'm going to pray in Jesus' name so I can have his authority and I can get that wisdom. You know what? Satan doesn't want believers' prayers to be answered. So when you start praying however you want to pray, well, I'm going to pray to the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of people that do. They pray to the Holy Spirit. It's not what the Bible says. Well, they pray to Jesus. Well, Jesus is important, but he's the authority by which we can ask the Father for our prayers to be answered. See, Satan doesn't care if you pray to the Holy Spirit, you pray to Jesus. You're not praying God's way. You're not following his instruction. You're not being obedient. There is power in prayer. There's power in prayer. Josh McDowell has written several books. One of the books I, I greatly appreciate is, um, deals with apologetics, giving a defense um, for your faith and what you believe. And uh, while he was uh, in California, he was in seminary, his father passed away. and He went to be, be with the Lord. But he wasn't sure about whether his mother was saved. And so it began to bother him. He began to think about it. You know, was my mother, was my mother saved? He, you know, he just had some great questions and great doubts, and, and it haunted him uh, as to whether or not she was in heaven. If she asked Jesus to be her Savior and she was in heaven, or if she had not asked Jesus to be her Savior and was in hell. And so he prayed. He said, Lord, somehow give me an answer so that I can get back to normal. I just need to know. It seems like a kind of an impossible request because, you know, when a person's passed away, especially if they had passed on several years, it, it, to find somebody who knew about it. So two days later, Josh McDowell got, on, got in his car and drove out uh, to the ocean, and he, he walked onto a pier, and at the end of the pier, there was a woman sitting there fishing. And he was just kind of walking up. He was just trying to kind of sort through things in his mind. He just wanted to have some time alone, just kind of him and the Lord. And, and uh, the woman began by asking him a question. She says, so, so where's your home originally? And Josh McDowell said, he said, well, you know, uh, uh, Michigan, uh, Union City. 
He says, nobody's heard of it. You know, I tell people it's usually, you know, it's a suburb. And the woman interrupted him and said, uh, it's, a, it's a suburb of uh, Battle Creek. She, she went on to say, you know, I have a cousin uh, from there. Uh, did you know the McDowell family? That's is Josh McDowell. <laughs> he says, I'm Josh McDowell. And the woman, she was, she says, well, I can't believe it. You know, uh, I'm the cousin of your mother. Josh was just shocked. He says, um, do you by chance remember anything about my mother's spiritual life? And, and this lady said, well, why, sure. Your mother and I, we were just girls, teenagers. When a tent revival came to town and we went, both of us went forward and asked Jesus Christ to be our Savior. Man, when he heard that, he went, Woohoo! Praise the Lord! I mean, here's all these fishermen. You know, you don't, you're supposed to be quiet when you're out there. I'll tell you what, praise the Lord. You know what? God answered his impossible prayer. Folks, can I tell you something today? God answers prayer. The things that are impossible with man are possible with God. Satan doesn't uh, Satan wants to hinder your prayers from getting through to God. God does answer prayer. People say, oh, I just don't understand. Why. You know, it's not, it doesn't seem like God's answering my prayer. God won't answer our prayer if there's sin in our life. Psalm 66, 18, if I regard sin in my heart, iniquity in my heart, God will not hear me. There are things in my life, if I'm walking in sin and doing the things that are contrary to God's word, God won't hear me. He just won't let He just... You know, you say, well, I'm saying the words, but it's kind of like it bounces off the roof. Well, maybe that's the reason. Maybe that's the reason why it's bouncing off the roof. You're sin. There's, so, there's sin in your life. And God says, I'm not going to listen to you. You need to get that right. You need to repent. You need to get things right with me so that that communication can be restored once again. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We talked about this morning in Sunday school where Daniel had prayed because he, God had showed him a vision of what was going to happen, but he didn't understand it, and he was praying to God, God, please help my understanding so I understand your word, so I know what this is all about. And God sent an angel from heaven to come and give him the answer, but there was an evil angel which hindered him so that he could not until God sent Michael the archangel and overcame that other angel, and he finally was able to get, him, get the answer. May I share with you that God does answer prayer. Matthew 7, 7 and 8 says, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be op opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. In 1 John 11, or excuse me, 11, or 1 John 5, uh, verse 14 and 15, it says, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. What are we to do when Satan tries to hinder us from moving forward for Christ? Can I tell you? Don't stop. Don't stop. You got that wall, you got that, that thing that's stopping you right there? Hey, oh, I, I, I'm not going to move ahead anymore. Wait a minute. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, go over there with me real quickly. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Great verse for you. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. How, how often are we supposed to, uh, to continue in the work of the Lord? Always abounding. Always. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Folks, we're to constantly keep in our trust, keep, be steadfast, unmovable. We're going to keep going forward for Jesus Christ. We're not going to give up. We ought, when Satan opposes, don't stop serving the Lord. Also realize that we're in a battle and take on the whole armor of God. Go to Ephesians, just to the right of where you are. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord 
and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Remember, that's what he says there in 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Steadfast, unmovable. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the strategy of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. These are demonic spirits, if you would against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore. What are we supposed to do when Satan opposes? Stand. People are falling by the droves because they don't have a firm foundation. Having done all to stand, stand. It's time for us to stand. Notice, having our loins, your loins girded about with truth. As he's talking here, he's giving the, the picture of, an, of a uh, soldier. He's putting these different things. It's interesting as you look, consider verse 14, uh, having your loins girded about with truth. That was this middle area uh, of truth. In, the ancient, in the, the ancient garment of that day, that girdle, about the loins, held everything together. It was essential for the uniform. If the girdle was lost, everything else went too. The garments would fly open, the pants would fall down. Could you imagine? You know, we see some of that in comedy. Oh, you know, the, you know, the belt falls open or whatever, and the pants fall down, so people are trying to pull them up. You know, that's why it's so amazing. Sometimes with, with uh, young people and older people, too, you know, they have these, uh, the pants, they're, they're down here at their, uh, kind of falling down. We had, a, in our Christian school, we had, uh, we had a rule that, you know, you had to keep your pants pulled up and, and shirt down. And I had one guy that was, uh, was in my high school department, and he came to class, and his pants started falling down. And I said, son, let me just tell you this. Uh, you can either wear a belt, or I'll get you suspenders. So I came to school the next day, and, and he, he was trying to do that same thing where his pants were starting to fall down, so I got him a pair of suspenders. You know what? He thought that was pretty cool. Well, suspenders, they keep your pants up. Amen. But you know what? When your pants, people, they, they wear their pants down here, and, and they're, and they're, they're kind of waddling like this because they're trying to keep everything, kind of keeping everything. How ridiculous. Pull your pants up. Pull your pants up. Well, pastor, it just looks cool. No, it doesn't. It looks like you've, you've lost something along the way. <laughs> Pull your pants up. Can you imagine? Here's a soldier. I'm holding my pants up, and I'm trying to run. It doesn't work. That girdle would hold everything up. And folks, may I share with you, that girdle of truth is the key for your Christian life. If you don't have truth in your life, and you're living by the truth, thy word is truth. If you're not living by the truth, everything else is going to fall apart. Notice what he says, that girdle of truth, and then he goes on to say, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. May I share with you, it's not your righteousness. Because your righteousness and mine, the Bible says all of our righteousness are filthy rags. We can't stand the way that we ought to before God, and we can't stand the way that we ought to before men in our own righteousness. We need the righteousness of Jesus Christ. When you and I, when we got saved, guess what happened? God took the righteousness of Jesus Christ and it was imputed, it was placed to your account. Oh, that's amazing. Well, I was a sinner and Jesus forgave me all my sin. But he didn't just forgive me all my sin. Praise God that he did that. All the sin debt was paid for, but he took the righteousness of his son. All that Jesus did, all the time of him keeping the Ten Commandments, and he took that righteousness and he put it to my account. So when the Father looks at my account today, it's not my account, it's the account of Jesus Christ. He looks at us through his, the righteousness of his son. Folks, you need to realize, living the Christian life is not about my ability, my power, it's about him. It's about what Jesus Christ has done. His righteousness is placed to my account. Praise God, it was done once and for all. Then he goes to verse 15. He says, 
and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, when we think of the, of the, the feet being shod, it was having a solid foundation. The Roman soldiers, when they would go out to battle, they didn't have running shoes. They had shoes with spikes on them, and they could defend that area around them. That ha they had a firm foundation. Can I tell you? Your firm foundation as a Christian is Jesus Christ. Other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You may think that, well, I'm going to follow this direction and, that, and follow this person, and that's going to give me strength. Can I tell you something? There is no better foundation than Jesus Christ. You can't get a better foundation, and you won't be able to stand against the wiles of the devil without the foundation of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm going to be a good person, and I'm going to turn over a new leaf, and I'm going to be the best I can. Can I tell you something? That is foolishness because you have no foundation in yourself. You'll, as soon as Satan starts to attack, and he will, you will fall and fail. But when you get saved, I now have a foundation in Jesus Christ. He is my strength. He is the one I'm building my life upon. The foundation of Jesus Christ. And the shield of faith, Hebrews 11, uh, excuse me, in this portion it says, above all, taking the shield of faith, where, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked shield of faith hebrews eleven six 6 says without faith it's impossible to please please him for he must believe that he is uh for he must believe that he is god and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him you know without faith hey god you're going to answer my prayer you're a great god and i'm going to trust your word that's called faith you haven't tested it but god's word is true and the only way that you find that it's true is by putting it to the test prove me God says. Put him to the test. Can I tell you something? You put God to the test, see if his, his word's true, you'll find it is true every time. Every time. A soldier would stand behind this shield. It would be the size of like a door. It's a big thing. Well, may I share with you that Christ is both the door to salvation and the door that protects the believer from the enemy without. We can hide behind that shield of faith. Jesus is greater than all. The helmet of salvation, verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation. The helmet protects the head, and God does appeal to the mind of, the, uh, of man. It is true that God appeals to the heart, but he also appeals to our intellect through the scriptures. He uses reason. Isaiah 1.18, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And you know, you don't protect what goes into your head, into your thinking, you're going to falter. You're going to fail. Two offensive weapons are mentioned here in verse 17 and 18. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God. This book called the Bible is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Boy, this book can read you, and it can read me. The more you study God's Word, God will reveal your heart and where you're at through His Word. Why is this book so important? Because it tells me about my God. It reveals my nature. It reveals my goals, my thinking. Whether I'm on track or not. Whether I'm following the world or whether I'm following Jesus Christ. And then he says in verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit of God. We're to pray. You know, Satan hinders us. We ought not to give up. But you know what we need to do is we need to realize and understand we're in a battle. And we need, to, we need to get in and realize that we need the help of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to take on the whole armor of God that we can stand in these evil days. And I pray that you would do that this morning. Say, well, Pastor, man, I'm just really shaky in my Christian faith. I'm shaky in my, my thinking and my understanding. You get into the Word of God. Someone has said this, either... Either the, uh, 
Sin will keep, or either the Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. And that's truth. You know, when, when, if I'm doing something wrong, I guarantee you, I don't want to open the Bible. I don't want to read it. I'd rather not. Why? You say, well, Pastor, you had that battle? Absolutely, all of us do. There hath no temptation or testing taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Folks, we all have temptations. Jesus was tempted, folks. We'll see that next time. Jesus was tempted to do wrong. It's what you do with that temptation. And it, given your own flesh, your flesh doesn't want to get in this book. Your flesh doesn't want to pray. But Satan knows if he can stop your prayer life, he can stop the power in your life. You'll just be a nominal Christian. But Christians who pray can move the hand of God. Folks, let me challenge you today. Let me encourage you today to pray. That's why I, I, I showed you how that Satan can hinder us. He wants to stop the work of God. So let's just get Christians to pray to God, the Holy Spirit, or to pray to Jesus. Is that how I told you to pray? No. Wasn't that good enough? No. Do it my way. Pray to the Father in Jesus' name. I know about you. I want my prayers to be answered. I want them to be heard on high. When I pray, I need his help. That's why I'm praying. Some people will pray long prayers to Jesus, but say amen at the end. You've lost the power. What's the authority? Jesus said, pray in my name. I pray that you would stop and think about that today. Satan will want to hinder your power in your life. And he'll do it through your prayers. Take on that whole armor. That prayer is your offensive weapon to defeat the devil. Let's pray. Dear Father, today I pray that you would help us as we take this time to understand this truth. God, I, we know that we're in a battle. Satan is at work. He tries to hinder us. He tries to resist us. He tries to get on the opposite end, to push against us so that we can't move forward. And Lord, help us to be strong. Help us to stand. Help us not to give up. Help us to keep our eyes focused upon you. Lord, I pray today for the Christians that are here today. Maybe they're going through a great battle right now in their Christian life. Boy, the, the devil is opposing. The devil's trying all that he can. But Lord, today your word has been an encouragement to them to help them. And I pray, Lord, that you would be with them right now. Give them strength. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're a Christian today and you say, Pastor, you know what? I've been trying to move ahead for the Lord, but Satan has been hindering me. Well, I've been trying to, to read my Bible more, but boy, it just seems like there's more things that come across the way to try to squeeze that out. I try to pray, and all of a sudden, boy, uh, you know, there, things just come, so I don't have time to pray. I try to be a witness, and boy, this person doesn't want to hear it, and this person, Satan is just hindering me in all these different areas. Hey, folks, don't give up. You're doing the right thing. Keep going on. Maybe today you say, Pastor, I just need the power of God in, in, at work in my life more so that I can have more victory in Jesus Christ. Please pray for me. Are you like that this morning? You slip your hand up. You say, Pastor, yes, I just need God's power even more. I want to pray for you this morning. Amen. Yes, I see those hands. Thank you. Thank you. God wants to use you. God wants you to keep going. The devil does not. You're in a war. You need the strength of the Lord. Dear Father, I pray for these that raise their hand right now, and I pray, God, for your mercy upon them. I pray, God, that you'd give them strength, that you'd bind Satan, that you'd put a hedge of protection about them and help them to go forward and to move forward for you, that they might be strong and mighty in your spirit, using the word of God, using the shield of faith to protect us, believing the very things that you've promised. Father, I pray that you'd work in their life. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. A great opportunity for you to get saved is today, right now. 
Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I pray that you'd get saved. We're going to have an invitation in just a moment, an invitation time where you can come and get saved. Ask Jesus to be your Savior. Won't you ask him to be your Savior? He can help you with life. He can give you forgiveness of sins. He can give you what you cannot do on your own. He can give you peace and comfort. I beg you and implore you to receive Christ today. Dear Father, we pray for those that are here and those that are watching on live stream. I pray, Lord, that if they don't know Jesus as their Savior, that they would come to know him today. And Lord, I pray that you'd save their soul. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand. Brother Scott's going to lead us in a song of invitation today. If you're not sure you're saved, let me encourage you to come and ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior. You can come. Jesus stands at your heart's door and he knocks right now. He wants to come into your heart, into your life and save you. Will you not let him come into your heart and save you today? He wants to save you. He's not going to force his way in. He wants you to open the door. I'll be right here in front. Jesus can save you today. Won't you just come? We'll have a counselor take, take the word of God and share with you about receiving Christ. You can just do it. It's simple. You can ask Christ to be your Savior. He's, God says you're a sinner. You need a Savior. Jesus is the only one. He died. He was buried and rose again for you. If you believe that and you're willing to accept Jesus, turn from your sin and turn to Jesus. Jesus will, or God will save you. I pray that you do that today. Brother Scott, won't you come and, and lead us?